Welcome to the podcast ministry of Pilgrim Baptist Church. Wherever you're listening from, welcome. We pray that the truth from the Word of God speaks to your heart during today's message. I want to try to bring some perspective, some spiritual perspective, some biblical perspective concerning current events. One thing that I want to say from the onset is that America, the United States of America, is not in Bible prophecy. Too many times people look to the news to find out what's going on in the Bible. And we become concerned, uh, unrightly or maybe uh, too overly concerned, with impeachment trials, uh, false elections, the government's going to hell, censorship, imprisonment, all of this stuff that has been going on for years and years and years. Look, I know what side you're on. You know what side I'm on. We, that's a given. We know, we know all that. But I want to try to bring some spiritual perspective. And I'm going to start the message off. I don't do this often, but I'm going to start the message off with a little story. You know, Christians were persecuted for a long, 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 long time. It didn't just happen when somebody decided to shut down. Uh, big tech decided to censor conservative voices. It's been going on, on a long time. Uh, this goes back, oh boy, 1500s, 1500s. Alone in her cell, Anna Timmerman was writing one last letter to her 14-year-old son back in Rotterdam. Minutes before she had received her sentence from the judges, they would execute her that afternoon. She blessed God that she still had paper and ink. Now, not too much of the backstory, but this Christian was going to be sentenced to death because she was a Christian and because she wouldn't renounce Jesus Christ as her savior and because she wouldn't renounce her baptism by immersion in water after she was saved because that's what the Bible says. So she could have gone free if she renounced, but she didn't. So that's the backstory. And here's what she wrote to her son. The following is the testament which Anna Timmermans left to her son Isaiah on the 24th of January at 9 o'clock in the morning as she was preparing herself to die for the name and testimony of Jesus. My son, hear the instruction of your mother. Open your ears to hear the words of my mouth. Behold, today I go the way of the prophets, apostles, and martyrs and drink of the cup which they have all drunk. See, my son, this way has no retreats. There are no roundabout or crooked little paths. Whosoever leaves to go to the right or the left inherits death. Behold, this is the way found by so few and walked by still fewer. For there are some who know well this is the way to life, but it is too hard for them. It pains their flesh. Therefore, my child, do not regret the great number nor walk in their ways. Take your feet far from their paths. But where you hear of a poor, simple, 
cast off little flock, which is despised and rejected by the world. Join them. For where you hear the cross, there is Christ. From there, do not depart. Flee the shadow of this world. Become one with God. Fear him alone. Keep his commandments. Observe all his words to do them. Sanctify your body to his service that his name may be sanctified, praised, and made glorious and great in you. Don't be ashamed. You hear that? Don't be ashamed. To confess him before men. Do not fear men. Better to give up your life than to depart from the truth. Therefore, my child, strive for righteousness unto death and arm yourself with the armor of God. May the Lord cause you to grow up in his fear and fill your understanding with the spirit. Sanctify yourself to the Lord, my son. Sanctify your whole conduct in the fear of your God. Whatever the Lord gives you by the sweat of your brow, more than what you need yourself. Share it with those whom you know love the Lord. Don't keep it until tomorrow. And the Lord will bless the works of your hands and give you his blessing for your inheritance. She goes on. Love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your power and strength. Yes, though the whole world should rise up against you and attack you, no harm, no one can harm you. If you have God for your father and if you have true love to God and his people, for love can do all things. Where there is no true love, there will soon be confusion confusion when persecution and distress come but for him who commits himself to the Lord nothing is difficult had I not experienced this myself it would be impossible for me to know that this is so easy yes my dear son if I could save my life by a thought and that thought did not please the Lord I would rather die than think such a thought Only now do I feel within me the inexpressible grace and mercy of God and his love and how we ought to love him in return. This is a mother that's in jail because the judge executed her to be sentenced to death. And she's writing this. Yes, this grace and love is so great before my eyes that my sorrow is turned to joy. I would have written more to you, but the messenger came and informed me that we were to go. I thank the Lord so greatly that all the judges heard it. They wanted to keep me quiet. That's the judges. Her response to her son is, but I spoke fearlessly. When we heard our sentence. That's her sentence to be executed. Your dear father said many times. With a glad face. 
so that all the people heard it. Yes, we thank the Lord. And now, goodbye to this wicked world. And be of good cheer. Written by me, your beloved mother, imprisoned at Menon for the obedience of Christ, that this to the praise of God, amen, O merciful Heavenly Father, who has so specially chosen and loved me, unworthy one. I, who am but dust and ashes, commend to you my dearest son, Anna Timmermans. I'll tell you what happened to Anna at the end of the message. Second Corinthians chapter five, you should already be there. The Bible says, Second uh, Corinthians chapter eight, I'm sorry, Second Corinthians chapter eight, the Bible says, moreover, brethren, we do you to wit of the grace of God bestowed on the churches of Macedonia, how that in great trial of affliction, the abundance of their joy and their deep poverty abounded under the riches of their liberality. For their power, I bear record, yea, and beyond their power, they were willing of themselves, praying us with much entreaty that we would receive the gift and take upon us the fellowship of the ministering to the saints. And this they did, not as we hoped, but first gave their own selves to the Lord and unto us by the will of God. The first thing I want you to see in Second Corinthians chapter 8 is the unity of these members. They were united. I want you to also see how they ministered to each other. And they ministered to each other. And they had this unity in the midst of a great trial and affliction. It says they had a great trial of affliction. And you know what else they had? They had deep poverty. But they didn't use their poverty as an excuse not to give. They didn't use their poverty as an excuse not to be joyful. They didn't use their poverty as an excuse not to pray. Brothers and sisters, how in the world can a Christian do that? The secret is found in verse number five. And this they did, not as we hoped but first gave their own selves to the Lord and unto us by the will of God. The secret to living the Christian life is found in verse 5 of our text. It doesn't matter the great trial of affliction. You can still give. You can still be joyful. You can still pray. Why? If you surrender yourself to God, people are fully committed to themselves. They live for themselves. They, can, they are consumed by the thoughts about themselves. They do every, their whole week is planned around the comfort of themselves. Forget about you. And give yourself wholly over to God. And then you will be able to live the Christian life and count it joy 
count it a chance to give and unite with your brothers and sisters in Christ. And count it an opportunity to pray and be closer to God. You won't do it on your own flesh. Here's the charge. Let's keep reading. Let's look at the charge. Insomuch that we desired Titus that he had, that as he had begun, so he would also finish in you the same grace also. Here's the charge. Watch this. Therefore, as ye abound in everything, in faith and utterance and knowledge and in all diligence, and in your love to us, see that ye abound in this grace also. The secret we found was to first give your own self to the Lord. After you have done that, here's the charge. Abound in this grace. Christianity is about the grace of God. And so many times we as Christians forget that it's by God's grace that he saved us. We forget to be gracious to our to our spouse. We forget to be gracious to our children. We forget to get great, be gracious to our church members who don't quite do exactly the same things we do or think the exact same ways that we do like anybody does. And we forget to show grace to our community and we just go right on down the line. Grace. A child goes to his dad and the child says, dad, how many times in the day must I come to you with my expression of love? How often will it be necessary for me, dad, to show my affection for you? And the father replies. As often as your feelings prompt you, my child, no more than that. In like manner, I'd like to charge you this morning. Look at Christ. See what he has done for you. Go back and realize and read about all the sufferings that he went through for you. Be eternally grateful that he died for you. And now, and now after you've done all that, give to his church what you think his church deserves. Why is it that American families can spend $3,000 a year to go to the tragic kingdom? Why is it that Americans can spend $5,000 a year on some inflated trip and give it to a good old Walt whose goal in life was to have a main street that didn't have a church on? Why? We can, Americans spend thousands and thousands and thousands of dollars on a character mouse that Hollywood has put a witch's hat on and, and, a, and, a, and, a, and, a, and a, and a, and a witch's wand, a magic wand. You ask those same Americans, give a week of your life. Give one week of your life to just go all out for Jesus. Spend all the money that you can to get it out to missions. Spend all the money and time that you can to help some local church get the gospel out to a lost and dying neighborhood. And you see how many of them sign up for it. I'm telling you, Americans want comfort. They want their flesh to be satisfied. And all around this world, you got one man, you got one family. Trying to get the gospel out. Trying to live by the will of God.
and trying to be gracious to a lost and dying world that could care less. How do you love a world like that? How do you love people like that? I'm telling you, you can't on your own strength. You blow your heart out. You're going to have to tap into what 2 Corinthians is telling us. Nothing forced. The father doesn't force his son every three hours. Come and tell me you love me, son. <laughs> and then like mine, our Christ is not going to force his children every three hours. Make sure you tell me you love me. He's not. Nothing forced. That's why the Bible says every man according as he purposeth in his heart. So let him give, not grudgingly or of necessity. For God loveth a cheerful giver. Every father loveth a son that's just cheerful about loving him. <laughs> and the same with mamas. Let's get Hebrews chapter number 11. I don't have a lot of Bible verses for you this morning. But I believe I've got some practical truth that can help us all. This has been a real help to me. I want it to be a help to you. Chapter 11 of Hebrews. Let's go down to the, toward the end of the chapter and let's read verse number 35. Look at this. Look at this. Oh, oh boy. Let's back up. Verse 33. Who through faith subdued kingdoms, wrought righteousness, obtained promises, stopped the mouths of lions, quenched the violence of fire, escaped the edge of the sword, out of weakness were made strong, waxed valiant in fight, turned to flight the armies of the aliens, Women received their dead, raised to life again, and others were tortured, not accepting deliverance, that they might obtain a better resurrection. And others had the trial. Here it is. Here's our second trial. Others had trial of cruel mockings and scourgings, yea, moreover, of bonds and imprisonment. You see that period on top of a period? It connects verse 37 with the same Connecting thought. They were stoned. They were sawn asunder, were tempted, were slain with the sword. They wandered about in sheepskins and goatskins, being destitute, afflicted, tormented, of whom the world was not worthy. They wandered in deserts and in mountains and in dens and caves of the earth. Who's signing up? Who's signing up? Yet you put an advertisement on, on Facebook. Yeah, this college will give you all this recognition. This institute will give you all this worldly praise. This college will give you the network of people that you need to tap into the business world so you can spend your life working 60 to 90 to 120 hours a week. So you never have to think about God. Look, if this is too hard, I'm sorry. I am sorry. But if you want to live a Christian life, get over you and your comfort. And if I want to live a Christian life, I need to get over me and my comfort. I'm not asking anybody. <laughs> look, look, don't go down to Dogwood Park this afternoon <laughs> and tie yourself to a tree and say, who wants to sow me a sun, sow me a thunder? Don't do that. I'm not, that's not the point of the message, okay? I'm not telling you to order a pallet of rocks, river rocks from Lowe's and have it delivered downtown at the square. And you stand there and have a sign that says, who wants to pitch stones at me? I'm not telling you to sign up to get stoned or sawn asunder. What I'm telling you is 
How do these Christians go through these trials and still find joy in the Lord? They've surrendered themselves wholly to God. That's how. And they've never lost sight of the grace of God. And I'm, and I'm asking all of us to consider that this morning. Doesn't matter the trial. Doesn't matter the obstacle. Doesn't matter the difficulty. Well, you know what the answer is in Hebrews 11? Faith. Amen. Faith. Look, let's go back to the beginning of the chapter. Look at this. Faith is what? Verse 11. The substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things not seen. Look at verse 3. Through faith we understand. Look at verse 4. By faith, Abel. By faith, Enoch. By faith, Noah. Verse 7. Look at this. By, by faith, Abraham. Verse 11. Through faith, also Sarah. By faith, Abraham, when he was tried, offered up Isaac. Verse 17. By faith, Isaac flexed Jacob and Esau concerning things to come. Verse 21, by faith, Jacob. Verse 22, by faith, Joseph. Verse 23, by faith, Moses. By faith, verse 27, he forsook, forsook Egypt. Verse 29, by faith, they passed through the Red Sea. By faith, the walls of Jericho fell. By faith, the harlot Rahab perished. And through faith, subdued kingdoms, wrought righteousness, obtained promises, stopped the mouth of lions, and all the way down to the end of verse 38 where we read, or 36 where we read, the whole thing's by faith. What are you living by? People live paycheck to paycheck. People live on government money. People live off of handouts. People live off, man, if I only get this job. People live off all sorts of things. And I'm telling you, Christian, get a hold of some godly faith. And you can live for the Lord by faith this walk is. Nobody wants to walk by faith anymore. Nobody wants to wholly give themselves over to God anymore. Nobody wants to live a gracious life, myself included. I need this type of preaching as much as you do. It's by faith. Faith allows you to deal with being destitute. Faith allows you to confront the horror of being stoned or sawn asunder. Faith allows you to suffer horrible affliction. And faith allows you to go through a trial of cruel mocking, scourging, and imprisonment. Let's go over to 1 Peter. First Peter chapter number one. Verse number three. The Bible says, blessed be the God and father of our Lord Jesus Christ, which according to his abundant mercy hath begotten us again into a lively hope by the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead to an inheritance incorruptible and undefiled and that fadeth not away reserved in heaven for you. Who are kept by the power of your good works because you're just so wonderful. Except, no, that would be the message or the New Living Translation or one of these modern outfits that has no idea who God is. Who are kept by the power of God. Through faith unto salvation, ready to be revealed in the last time. Wherein ye greatly rejoice, though now for a season, if need be, you are in heaviness. Through manifold temptations, here it is, this third trial, that the trial of your faith, being much more precious than of gold that perisheth, though it be tried with fire, might be found unto praise and honor and glory 
at the appearing of Jesus, whom having not seen ye love, in whom though now ye see him not, yet believing, ye rejoice with joy unspeakable and full of glory, receiving the end of your faith, even the salvation of your soul. Now I want you to look at this. Look at verse number seven. This is the trial of your faith. Look at the middle of verse seven, though it be tried with fire. This is a good thing. Fire is a good thing here. This isn't the fires of hell. This is a trial that is likened unto a fire. And this fire is good for you. This fire is good for me. Why? Look what it says. You're going to find out in your life, and I'm going to find out in my life, what is more important. The gold that perisheth or the trial that God has you going through. And it's, again, we see it doesn't matter. It doesn't matter. Let me just back up a little bit. Israel going through some physical trials, going through a physical land, crossing a physical sea, going into a physical promised land. You know how they got there? By faith. By faith. Israel, physical, earthly. See that contrast? But how did they get to where they needed to go? By faith. By faith. Who in the world, what mom and dad would ever think about taking their baby and putting it in a river's bank? Yeah, honey, here's a great idea. Like, that's real safe. Moses' parents did. How do they do that? By faith. You see the Red Sea just part. How do you walk through that? Well, I just, you might just take one foot after another. No, you don't. You do it by faith. Faith is what motivates you to go or not go. It's by faith. And a New Testament Christian, your pilgrimage to our heavenly promise in heaven, do you know how you fight through all of the spiritual obstacles? By faith. The only way you can do it is by faith. Only way. You're only going to get there by faith. Now, do you see how this trial of fire is a good thing? Being more precious than of gold that perisheth, though it be tried with fire. Everybody knows what do you do when you put a precious metal into fire? You melt the whole thing so that you can get rid of all the impurities. Fire, a trial of fire for a Christian is a good thing because it allows you to be tested and tried of God so that all the impurities can get rid of in your life. Embrace the fire, the trial of fire we're talking about here. All right, two more passages of scripture and then we're going to be done. Let's go over to 1 Peter chapter 4. Stay with me. I want you to be with me. If you're with me, say amen. Amen. All right, 1 Peter 4. 1 Peter 4. And look, I know it's a hard message. Let's try to bring it together with two more passages. Chapter 4, verse 12. Look at this. Beloved, 
think it not strange concerning the fiery trial. Here it is again, the fire, the trial, which is to try you. People say, well, why do I have to go through this? Um, this trial, real simple, to be tried. As though some strange thing happened to you. But rejoice in as much as you are partakers of Christ's suffering. You know, isn't it funny? Everybody wants the Jesus that died on the cross for them. But as soon as they have to suffer like Jesus, they're like, yeah, I'm, I'm just going to kind of check out. <laughs> Why? Why? That when his glory shall be revealed, you may be glad also with exceeding joy. What do we see in these two simple passages of Scripture? Twice we are told, think it not strange concerning this fiery trial. Twice in one verse. And then we're told in the next verse, why don't you just rejoice? And then we're told at the end of the verse, why don't you just be glad? And then we're told the other, the final end of the verse, why don't you just be exceedingly, uh, be glad with exceeding joy. On this fiery trial, which is to try you. Young people, your parents love you enough to offer you joy and gladness and happiness. That should not be removed because you have to go through something tough in life. I do not believe because I do not believe the Bible teaches that we are to just offer our children this life of a dainty feast. Where they're spoon fed, they never go through any trial, they never have to face any affliction. They don't ever have to pick up a shovel. They never have to cook a meal. They never have to deal with somebody telling them that they're wrong. And life is just the silver platter. That is not life. And I'm telling you, non-Christian families that don't know the Lord, but get a hold of that biblical principle, can raise some pretty obedient children. Why can't Christians? Trial and this fire is a good thing. It's a good thing. We shouldn't lose our joy and our gladness because of it. As she penned her final words, Anna heard a tremendous commotion of screams and cries. She's in her jail cell waiting through her day of execution. As if the whole world were collapsing. The sound echoed through the prison, but she was sure she heard it outside as well. Feet thundered down the passageway and guards shouted to each other, her heart wondering. She went to the door and saw that the guards were opening each cell one at a time. Will they execute us all at once? She thought to herself. As the noise became louder, a guard reached her cell, the keys trembling in his large hands. He unlocked her door. Come out quickly, come out, he shouted. You're free, you're going free. Free, she asked. 
as she saw Hans and Elizabeth hurry by, friends that she knew. Yes, free. God is setting us free. How? Asked Anna in amazement. As she too joined the exodus down the prison hallway. The city is on fire. And soon the jail will be too, pointed Hans. It's an old tradition in Menon that when there's a fire, all the prison doors are unlocked so that no one burns to death in his cell. They can still try to catch us again, but right now I think the city council is too worried about their own mansions going up in flames to think about us while the fires burn. We are free to escape. I'm going where they can't find me again, maybe to the east where I can understand no one is executed for their faith. I'm telling you, you grow up in a country where you don't have the freedom to worship, you know, like we do in America. People are executed for their faith. She's like, you know, maybe I'll take a little vacation. I'll go where they don't kill Christians. Outside, the believers watched as waves of smoke rose to the sky. Hans quoted, where was a better country they longed for? A heavenly country. And so God is not ashamed for them to call him their God because he has prepared a city for them. And together, they're harried out of Menon. The fire saved them. And all of the trials that they went through in their life. And this mother is writing a letter to her son. Son, I'm going to die. All of the trials that they've been through. And then a fire breaks out. And they're free to go. Let's go over to Mark 15, the last passage of scripture I told you that we would go to. I'm just sick and tired of Americans looking to the news and saying, oh, boy, we're, we're, we're really done for now. No, we're not. Things were worse in the 1500s, the 1400s and the 1300s. <laughs> you think because you lost your job, somehow God lost control? Knock it off. We need to all knock it off. Oh, what's going to happen if Trump doesn't get in? What's going to happen if this happens? What's going to happen at this impeachment trial? I don't care. I got a God I'm living for. Look, I look. I care as an American. I care. Look, you see what I'm saying? I'm not trying to throw my brain out the window. I just know that I'm thankful I've got a country to live in where I have the freedom to do this. <laughs> I'm thankful that I live in America where we have the freedom to go live on Faceplant, YouTube, you know, Instasin, and all these other platforms where they got the sewer of the world in, and nobody has showed up with you-know-what to hurt you-know-who. Aren't you thankful for that? Yes. Praise God. I, I don't let my kids just surf around on the cesspool, the sewer of the internet and just have unlimited channels on the television and just dump all that junk into my house. I'll tell you what, if I got the freedom and liberty to get the gospel of Christ through one of those channels, I'm doing it. And I want you to do it too. Praise God. We got freedom here. I don't want to live in Amsterdam and in, in, in the 1500s and be a Christian. I don't know. I can, I can preach that. I will recant. I can preach it. Can you preach it? I mean, I teach it to my kids around, you know, family devotions. But I ain't in that situation. 
I know what I would do now when I'm not in the situation. <laughs> but if you're in it, okay, go time. You have to make a decision. Watch this. The only time in the Bible, in the New Testament, I think, I think it's in Acts, maybe too. Look at this. Mark 15. I get frustrated. I get frustrated. I don't know if I'm supposed to say that from the pulpit, but I do. When people get more excited about a ball team, people get more excited about a political candidate. People get more excited about a movie star. People get more excited about some. And I'm like, why are you that excited about that? We have God to live for. Look at Mark 15. Because I want to bring it home to the most important person that I met over 20 years ago. And if you haven't met him, I'd like to introduce you to him today. His name is the Lord Jesus Christ. Look what happens in Mark chapter 15, verse 1. And straightway in the morning, the chief priests held a consultation with the elders and scribes and the whole council and bound Jesus and carried him away and delivered him to Pilate. And Pilate asked him, Art thou the king of the Jews? And he answering said unto him, and then he gave him a 40-minute sermon like I'm giving you. No, he said three words, thou sayest it. And the chief priest accused him of many things. And then Jesus went on defending himself because he knew he was unjust. He knew he was God himself. And, but he didn't. You know what it says? But he answered nothing. And Pilate asked him again, saying, Answerest thou nothing? Behold how many things they witnessed against thee. But Jesus yet answered nothing. So that Pilate marveled. Now at that feast. He released unto them one prisoner, whosoever they desired. And there was one named Barabbas, which lay bound with them that had made insurrection with them, who had committed murder in the insurrection. And the multitude crying aloud began to desire him to do as he had ever done unto them. You know what Pilate did? I'm going to limit the choice of the people between Jesus Christ and this insurrectionist Barabbas. Oh, everybody's familiar with that word, that term right now. People say, well, the Bible's archaic. Would work? No, that term is commonly used. By the way, if you read your King James Bible, if you're reading it, none of the words are archaic because you're reading it. <laughs> but anyway. I'll limit the choice. Some guy that is against the civil government and raised violence against it, Barabbas, killed people in the government or Jesus. Oh, it'll be an easy choice, won't it? Except the utter hatred, the utter contempt, and the utter bitterness they had for our Savior became very apparent. You see the contrast of the hatred they had to Jesus against this insurrection. People were glued to their phones, their tablets, their computers, and their TVs, watching impeachment trial number one, watching impeachment trial number two of a man who they deem was innocent. And they got so excited 
look, I'm not here to tell you I'm for or against anything in the political arena. I'm here to tell you that millions of Americans spent millions of dollars on signs, hats, and they drove across country to gather in groups to proclaim a message that they wholeheartedly believed in their hearts because they believed that an innocent man is being brought to trial and is accused as an insurrectionist and they have firmly believed in their heart and mind and the whole being of their body that it was unjust. And all of this campaigning and all of this talk and all of this rhetoric and all of this cancel culture and all of it. Look, I am on the same team as you are. I am against all of that. I think it's a mess what they've been doing. I'm with you. But may I remind you that our God came down here in a body of flesh. He was a just man and he was brought to trial unjustly. He did nothing wrong. He answered Pilate three words. And then he said nothing. And then they asked him again and he said nothing. Why don't Americans get more excited about that man? Why aren't Americans driving and gathering in droves of people to say, Jesus Christ came. He died. He was slain as an innocent lamb. Won't you call on him? No. Let's make America great again. Look, I want America to be great. Don't get me wrong. I want a better economy. I want it easier for my kids. I want to be able to work and own my own money. I want the government to leave me alone. Look, I get you. I'm with it. I am. But I am not diving into that pool so deep that I can't swim my way out. Because Jesus Christ saves. When will we rally around the man that was unjustly accused? Like we rally around a political candidate. And like we rally around all of these other things. That cannot and will not give us eternal life. Young people, listen to me. You have somebody so much better to live for. It's Jesus. It's Jesus. And they chose the insurrections over Jesus. The real insurrections. Because that's the hatred that they have. Are you not compelled to tell everyone that you know that your Savior was 100% innocent and never sinned? Yet he zipped his lip and he humbly gave his life so that you could have eternal life with your creator rather than be separated by your creator in eternal hellfire. The fire can be a good thing because we are not going to the fiery flames of hell. Mm -hmm. So these fiery trials that we have to go down, we have to go through down here, it's okay. We can still count it a joy because Jesus paid it all, all to him I owe. Let's get more excited about him than we've gotten about anybody else ever. 
Thank you for listening to the podcast ministry of Pilgrim Baptist Church. We look forward to seeing you in the next episode. In the meantime, you can sign up for our email newsletter at www.pilgrimbaptist.church.